Central Monday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah in the Kintec studio. Lots to come here on a Monday. Patrick Alvine will join us in a few moments. Exclusive comments from the general manager. He spoke with media earlier. Frank Saravalli will join us as well as uh, it is day one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And you can look forward to us uh, jumping in on some games a little bit later on in the show as well. But let's start to uh, get through some of what is and what was said before we uh, talk to Patrick exclusively here on Canuck Central Sat. He spent an hour with media today doing his end of season availability. And there was a few things that he touched on, but... I think we all understand maybe the uh, Elias Pettersson contract negotiation is probably priority number one for everybody around the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and, and he seemed pretty positive in terms of, you know, what Elias Pettersson has told him. Uh, you know, he was a man of few words in terms of how happy he is in, in Vancouver when he spoke to the media on Saturday. But uh, Alvin said he said quite a bit more to him behind closed doors in terms of his desire to stay here and be here long term. So not that people were overly stressed based on, you know, how the past few months have gone and everything Pettersson has said. But it seems more like when, not if. Patterson signs his contract extension this summer. Yeah, and that's the biggest part here. Um, you know, they, technically they cannot have negotiations right now, but mm-hmm. this is more about, um, you know, setting it up. And he talked a lot about the relationship that he's been trying to build with Elias Patterson and those kinds of things. And uh, let's hear from Patrick quickly on uh, what he had to say about Elias Patterson. Uh, I have uh, good uh, communication with Elias here and, uh, uh, even going back to last year when we first started to work together here and, and uh, um, the communication we had leading into summer and the importance for him to be prepared. And I think he, he really took a big step here in maturity. And uh, for the most of the year, uh, really impressive two-way hockey, really impressive how he carried this team and also uh, helped other players around him to get better. Um, I've been talking to Elias here, and, and uh, we're going to continue to talk, and I'm very optimistic, and, and I just believe that he's scratching the surface here. There is there is more for him to come. Um, you know, hit, hitting 100 points is great, uh, but again, for him, it, it's learning how to do that after uh, 82 games, that's where you're going to get more respect in this league. And I think Elias and the, you know, Quinn, the same there. Uh, they're just scratching the surface. And I'm, I'm very excited uh, with, the, with the people I have here in place to help those guys uh, be able to take the next step. So there is uh, Patrick Alvin on uh, Elias Patterson in that conversation, mm-hmm. the continued conversation, because that's what it is. And, you know, so much of this... Yeah, you're not allowed to negotiate numbers right now, but how much of the negotiation right now is just communicating the future vision of the Vancouver Canucks to Elias Pettersson? I think that's a huge part of it, and I think how he perceives or receives that gives an indication of his desire. And the other one just comes down to, you know, just point blank talking about the desire to stay here and working something out. Now, mm-hmm. J.P. Barry was on Donnie and Dolly today, and Rick had you know the quotes on his Twitter account in terms of, hey, this is going to be a big negotiation, a big term, big contract, and they're going to take their time. I think it's pretty clear that everybody knows what it's going to take ballpark, 
and it's not going to be easy to get it done, but when you already have an idea of, hey, this is a superstar type player, this is what superstars get paid, everyone kind of knows what the money's going to be, it's just working it out, and I think the the little things like the bonus structure when the no move cost kicks in, things like that is going to be what takes up most of the times in terms of these negotiations, I bet. And uh, we'll uh, talk a little bit more about this with Patrick uh, when he joins us in a moment. But uh, before we get to that, he also uh, was talking about uh, JT Miller negotiations, uh, trade negotiations that happened potentially during the year. And he didn't really back down from any of that, sat in just the notion of, well, you know, every player's got a price. But we also really like JT Miller. We think he's pretty unique in the player that he is, the hard skill that he can bring, and we started to see that through the final bit of the season. So it doesn't sound like there is uh, too much thought in revisiting trade talks with JT Miller. No, and I think what he's done, though, is leave the door open enough that you can't come back and say, if something happens, that, hey, I didn't tell you it's not going to happen. And it's kind of been a standard line from them, right? It's like, hey, you, we have to listen to any trade calls that come in. We That's our job to listen. Even Gretzky can get, get traded, which means it's unlikely any of these guys get moved, our top guys, but we have to listen if somebody calls and makes it worth our while to have the discussion. And I think that's been a, a pretty s- standard company line from these guys. But you know what that does, though, Dan? It leaves the door open for people to speculate and wonder. Because he's not going to say, I'm not trading him. Yeah. Like he even said, like he said, I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to trade him. Because he's not going to make that promise about anybody. Uh, and that's kind of where it feels like it's at right now. You know, every player's got a price. And, you know, if somebody's willing to meet it, then maybe we'll listen. But otherwise, uh, JT Miller, we're very happy having him as a Vancouver Canuck. Uh, we'll dive into more of what he said with the main media, and we'll have some uh, takeaways from our conversation with Patrick once we speak with him. And let's bring him into the conversation right now. It is general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, Patrick Alvin, joining us exclusively here on Canuck Central. Thanks for this, Patrick. How are you? Pretty good. Thanks uh, for having me here, guys. Do you uh, do you get a, a week or two to uh, relax and maybe just watch some of the Stanley Cup playoffs before you really dive into the offseason? What's uh, the next few days for you? Well, it, it's uh, again, as I said, it, it's never fun uh, sitting here uh, not playing at this time of the year. So we got a lot of work to to do here. Uh, just finish up the exit meetings with the players. We got staff meetings coming up, and uh, I got to head over uh, to Europe for the World uh, Under 18 uh, this weekend and uh, spend some time with my amateur staff. So I will have a busy busy spring. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, may as well just get into what you just mentioned about the draft. And it's clear, well, it's not clear where you guys are picking yet because we'll see what the draft lottery has in store for us. And believe me, we all want the best pick possible. But if you guys are sitting there at number 11, what do you think of this year's draft so far and the importance of holding on to that pick, perhaps? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward here to spend more time with uh, with uh, Todd Harvey and his staff and Derek Clancy and, and uh, get a little bit better feel and understanding of uh, the players in this year's draft. Uh, it sounds like they they are excited. Uh, we have uh, uh, enough picks to be creative, and, and uh, unfortunately, we don't have a second round pick as of now. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I think. You know, um, picking there, it, it seems to be an uh, intriguing position. 
We, we know with your uh, salary cap situation going into the summer, uh, there, there's probably a move or two coming somewhere to uh, open up some space. Uh, is, is that, you know, is, is acquiring a draft pick maybe a, a priority for you? Uh, I wouldn't say a priority. We we have uh, several picks there in the third and fourth round that, that we actually could be somehow creative of and, and moving up in the draft. Um Again, I, I, you know, I'm looking at the, the big picture as well. I, I want to improve our team, uh, and I want to make sure we are competitive uh, years to come as well. Well, from the outside, and I know, Patrick, we discussed this a little bit after the trade deadline, and you mentioned that you, based on your conversations around the league, you felt like there are avenues to move salary off your books this summer. But based on what you're looking at this year, you mentioned the draft. Is there a possibility that you can move, you know, salary off your roster, but at the same time also get some value back in return? Is that a possibility? Uh, I think we we improved as a team and, and our players performed better the, the, the last half of the year, um, especially on the talk. A lot of players uh, played uh, to the level of, of uh, expectations and, and uh, what they're capable with. And, and I still think we have a lot of attractive players here. And I, I think our players uh, are, are able to push themselves and get to another level as well. So I do, I do think the teams, uh, you know, looking to see if there is some lateral moves, if they, you know, uh, sometimes a player maybe didn't play in a in a certain role on one team that maybe you you know there is another opportunity on, a, on another team and and things like that uh, could sh- change up your lineup a little bit. What's what's different about the improvement under Rick Tockett than uh, it was last year under Bruce Boudreau? I think they different style of coaches, uh, and I think that the the group we have here responded uh, differently uh, under Rick. I think they. Uh, the, the, the accountability, uh, communication, the trust, uh, uh, having Adam Foot and, and Goncher involved as well. And, and all those three guys were uh, really good players, really good people. And, and I think they have an understanding of what the players go through on a daily basis and, and what the feedback needs to be and, and uh, how you spend time and, and building that relationship and the trust so you can hold guys accountable. Um, I think from the players' uh, perspective, I think the biggest thing I give them credit for is their their mindset. I think they they actually um, really enjoy walking into Rogers Arena every day. Uh, you know, they, they're definitely up to the challenge, and, and uh, I think the habits has been uh, has been good. Uh, I, I think we have a, another level to go to, uh, but it's it's encouraging how. Uh, the exit meetings was with the players. You've you've alluded to it a little that the environment wasn't great uh, for the players, and that you needed to build a, a better environment. What what were you seeing exactly uh, in, in the last year, or maybe earlier in the year, that you know p- potentially affected the way this team was performing on the ice? Well, I think we we were a little bit of a we're not an old team and we're not a young team. Um, Somehow somehow we're kind of in the middle of which which you need constant feedback, communication and coaching. And I think that's a big part of it. Uh, And I think you need, uh, you know, you need uh, a voice that, that that could demand the room and and get the message through there. So 
um, again, I, I give uh, the current uh, coaching staff a lot of credit for how quickly they were able to come in and adapt and build build that um, partnership with the players. Well, you also mentioned and also talk it, spoke about empowering the leadership group and getting these guys, you know, to be the guys who set that standard. Is that going to be the difference as well? Because we can sit here and talk about coaching all we want, but can this group show that show that maturity and that growth leadership-wise to put that work into the offseason and come prepared not only training camp and preseason, but also uphold those standards throughout the season? I believe so. I, be, I believe we have a, a, a good core here. Um, and as I said, I, I, I do think that those players need directions, and I, I'm happy uh, what I'm seeing up to this point. But in the end of the day, the, the, those players going to dictate uh, the outcome of this team. Uh, They're going to set the standard. They're going to set the culture within the dressing room. Uh, the coaches are here to help and guide them, but their internal drive is going to come from within the group there, and that's going to show up on the ice. Do you feel Hughes and Pedersen took a step uh, when after you know the Horvat trade was made and you know, the captaincy becomes void and it's almost uh, hey here's here's your turn to t- sort of take this over now? I think I think those guys matured uh, during the year. Uh, I would say that that uh, Quinn Hughes game really impressed me since um, Adam Foot and Goncher and Talk came in here. Um, I thought that he played uh, his best hockey, um, wasting less energy in his own end and, and was able to attack and be more involved offensively. Uh, it was pretty impressive. And, and uh, uh, talking to Quinn, how he you know felt really fresh and, and he never felt as ready to continue to play as he did now. And I think that's a, you know, a credit to our you know, strength and conditioning staff as well, how they how they prepare the players and how they push them so they're ready for what's going to happen after game 82. But uh, absolutely, I think Petey uh, was, you know, dialed in this summer, his mindset, understanding what it takes to be a good player. Um, I think now there are in the stage of the career where, their respect around the league is going to come what they can provide in the playoffs. And I think they are extremely eager to get in there and to play off and, and show the league that they're top players. Well, and, and as far as naming the next captain for the team, obviously you, know, you have a few guys who are options and, and could be candidates. Is it important to get one, you know, have one in place at some point next year, or is it maybe better to let next season play out and, and see who really emerges as the captain? Well, we're, as we said, we, we continue to uh, uh, meet here, uh, the coaches and myself and Jim, and and uh, empowering the leadership group here. Uh, I think Talk has been pretty clear about that uh, since the get-go when he got in there. Uh, uh, the empowering of, of, our, of our leaders here and uh, making step forward. So um, we, we have a lot of good... Uh, core players here are good a lot of good players that are capable of being good leaders as well so so we will uh we'll take our time here and uh go through the right process we're always uh here playing armchair gm on the show patrick as i'm sure you know uh and we have our ideas of where the team may need some tweaks and some areas of improvement but where do you see the areas of improvement need to come from 
I want to hear from you guys. What do you guys think? <laughs> well, okay, I'll be honest on this one. I, I still think, you know, even after adding Philip Ronick and, um, you know, Ethan Barry got a decision there, but I, I do believe you could still use a, a little bit extra on, on defense. But I also wonder, you know, with the cap commitments that are already there, is that, is that necessarily a possibility? Uh, that that's a good question. I, I yeah, I, I think we were able to add a couple of younger players here that uh, that I'm optimistic of uh, that they they showed that they're capable of, of playing games. Uh, with another summer, um, I'm I'm sure hoping some of those guys going to take a step and and competing uh, for for a roster spot. Um, yeah, I mean. As you pointed out, we we have a, a significant amount of money committed to a back end there, and uh, we'll, we'll see what uh, you know if if there is a you know a trade or a deal to be made here uh, that involves uh, us to to uh, uh, improve a back end by a by a veteran guy or or uh, what direction we're going. But I do think that the way we're playing now, it showed. Uh, even with a depleted lineup there, with, with a lot of younger players in our lineup, that we were one of the better uh, defensive teams uh, since, since the last uh, 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 two months. Well, and, and clearly you spoke a lot about Oliver Ekman-Larsen coming back and him uh, you know, trying to rebuild his game and get back to at least closer to what he was in the past. And another defenseman who struggled, and to Dan's point, you guys could use a guy who's good defensively on the PK, on the back end as well, to maybe fit a need. What is Tyler Myers' status? He's kind of struggled in that defensive side, hasn't really excelled on the PK. Can you guys get him to that level, or might there be time for a change there? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, uh, again, I think that's the coach's job to help every single player to, to perform to their standard what they're capable of. I think I think Tyler is a, is a player that... that uh, that thrives under structure, uh, predictability hockey, and uh, he's, he's showing that that he could be a real good player in this league. Um, and I think he actually played and performed better uh, the second half there as well. On uh, on forward, uh, you know, we've talked about it. We've seen improvements from a lot of players after the coaching change. Connor Garland scores that hat trick in the final game of the season. Beauvillier uh, really had a strong, uh, you know, had a strong record after you acquired him from the New York Islanders. Um, but you know, is there still, um, you know, is, is there future up in the air? Or is this, do you see that you can have most of your improvement come from within on this roster? Yeah, I, I think that's something we, we're going to discuss here over the next couple of weeks with, with my staff here and, and look at the options, uh, what's available in the summer and, and, uh, potentially trades and, and also um, excited to see the, the younger players in Abbotsford. I think I said it last year that I want to have internal competition. I, I believe that we have a lot of younger players now that, that actually can compete uh, for ice time and roster spots here, and that will push this team and this group forward. Well, and, and as far as, you know, Elias Pettersson, you mentioned, uh, you know, that he's, he said a few more words to you that, than telling us he wants to stay here. And, you know, you can obviously, you can only do so much until you get to July 1st. But philosophically, when it comes to signing a player like him to a massive contract, and we know it's going to be a big one, what's the biggest challenge? Is it the structure of the deal or is it a bit easier knowing what range you're in money-wise and then figuring everything else out? Like, what makes it more challenging when it comes to these big deals for players you clearly want to keep? 
Well, I think that the most important thing is that uh, me having a partnership where I can show um, Elias here uh, my vision and uh, what direction this team is going. Uh, I'm sure Elias want to be on a team where he feels that uh, we're, we're building up to be a competitive team over the years he's going to be here. Uh, I'm sure Elias feels that he's a big part of this group and uh, the, the partnership that he has with the coaching staff and, and the, uh, the day-to-day stuff that he's involved with, uh, I think those are the, those are the key things uh, when you're making a, a commitment uh, to, to sign a player long-term. Do you expect to be a player in free agency, or, or do you have to move out some some cap first? Um, as 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 of it sits right now, we we need to uh, make hockey trades or yeah move out cap first. Uh, we don't have much uh, space as, as of today, uh, so it will be some some hard work for us here uh, over the next couple of months. I have one question before I let you go about a specific player who hasn't really been asked about. And you guys didn't acquire Connor Garland, but he came over in that big deal. And he had a strong finish to the year. He had a hat trick the last game and really found a role driving the third line. What do you what do you think of how he played this year and how he ultimately fits with your organization? I think uh, Connor was uh, inconsistent. Yeah, uh, uh, I think he probably. Struggled with the uh, the the lack of of role that he had early on, um, the trust, the communication. Um, I think he is a player that that needs to have an understanding of how do you fit in in this lineup and where do you play the best game, best hockey. And then I think it's up to the coach to manage his ice time and manage his his role the right the right way. Um, I thought Connor was much better the second half. I still think there is another level in this game. Uh, I think when he's playing at his best, he brings a speed, energy, tenacity. And for a for a smaller guy, he's actually hard to play against and good around the net. But I think that those are the details that I think that Connor, um, if he can find that consistency again, he, he's he's a he's a really good player in the league. Hey, Patrick, uh, we, we really appreciate the time. I know uh, there's a lot of work for you ahead as well over the next four and a half months, but uh, do try and get an, a little bit of R&R in there somewhere, okay? <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. There is uh, Canucks General Manager Patrick Alvine joining us here exclusively on Canucks Central. Some thoughts on the draft, what they may do with their pick, the leadership, Elias Pettersson, and uh, what they could do in the offseason, Sat. And I don't know, from everything I've heard today, we'll elaborate on this a little bit more in the second hour of the show, but it sounds as though they're expecting a lot of internal improvement from this roster. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the, the theme we heard earlier today and what he said here today when, when you know asked a bit more specifically about the back end, about players that they need and what needs to happen. And he's essentially saying it's going to be hard to move money off this roster. We have to make hockey deals. And we're hoping that the coach is going to make a difference, which may not be very convincing. When you look at a couple of the veteran defensemen who struggled, and we talked about OEL and Tyler Myers. And we'll see ultimately what happens. One thing I... I kind of took away from today, he was very cagey 
Alvin. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't really give give away anything. Um, you know, he he didn't want to put himself into he didn't want to answer yes or no questions or this guy going to be here or not questions and left the door open. I think what he was trying to do is say as little as possible without being held to anything. That's kind of the 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 the, the sense I got because we asked him specific questions um, about hey the draft pick about certain players and he kind of didn't answer specifically, which tells you he's being a bit cagey. Yeah, and uh, not wanting to tip his hand as to what exactly may happen with the Vancouver Canucks this offseason. But we did get some info, and we'll talk a little bit more about it coming up a little later on in the show. Up next, Frank Saravalli on Canucks Center.